Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Akhtar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. Alhamdulillah, we are almost 10 months into our podcast publication. And as a content creator, I've learned a lot of skills. A lot has changed since I first started. But my early podcasts still hold true, and I listen to them myself and teach these concepts in workshops, even now. Today we're talking about being ashamed or modest. Which one is it? And how any of these play a role in the development of a woman's career? The only word that encompasses what I'm trying to convey here is the word haya. So as a side note, I always start with definitions because it's important to define what language communicates. The other day, I came across a coach who said, why do we have to define everything? Why can't we just let things be? Why can't we just experience instead of communicate? And I say that experiencing things is a major part of being human. Experiential coaching is what I actually practice with my individual clients. But we first define things so we can communicate at the same level. Shy in a classic sense is defined as frightened, timid, or showing nervousness. Ashamed is embarrassed or feeling guilt because of something one has done or a characteristic one has. Guilt is the feeling responsible for a perceived offense. Modesty is being unassuming about one's achievements or modesty is also behavior to avoid indecency. None of these actually define Haya completely. Only parts of them do. Haya itself is a very encompassing term. It partly carries meaning of shame, shy, modest, and even guilty conscience. One of Allah's name is Al-Hayyi, not Al-Hayyi, which means the everlasting. This one is different. It is Al-Hayyi with an extra Ya, which means the shy one, the one with perfect modesty. Reported in Al-Tirmidhi, Prophet peace be upon him said, Verily, Allah is shy and generous. He would be ashamed when a man raises his hands to him to turn them away empty and unfulfilled. At the Al-Maghrib Institute, Sheikh Ammar al-Shukri, who teaches everything there is to learn about the names and attributes of Allah, and mashaAllah, he's a wealth of knowledge. He says Al-Hayyi is the one that is shy and modest and the one that conceals. He is ashamed of not answering the dua of the believer before his hands go down. That is so profound. If Allah can be shy, so can we. So haya is an encompassing concept that keeps anyone from doing anything immoral. Some scholars define haya as an internal emotion that causes one to avoid doing what is objectionable. What that translates into coaching terms is that it is just the internal emotion that urges you to take notice of your thoughts and actions. This is the only role shyness and a sense of modesty is supposed to play. It's supposed to be a warning sign that you are getting off track. A warning being given to you by your body. This goes back to the experiential definition, the experience of being human. Are you attuned to what your body is saying to you? Haya then becomes a combination of shame, shyness, modesty, and guilt. Shame that keeps you from indecent actions. Shyness that keeps you from exposing your indecent actions. Modesty that keeps you from boasting about your achievements or flaunting your beauty or exposing too much skin. Guilty conscience that helps you correct your actions. None of these words capture haya fully, but parts of each of these do. 
What haya is not is number one, it is not the perpetual lingering of these warning emotions. That's shaitan's work. The primal brain latching on to the human's lack of expertise in their own emotions. If you are low in your emotional intelligence, the primal brain will incessantly repeat and recycle these warning emotions to keep you small, contracted, and falsely feeling safe. Number two, what haya is also not is that it's not body shaming. It's not a green light to police women's hairline under their hijabs, calling them vulgar. Every human is on their journey. If you police someone's morality out of judgment, you are causing more distance between them and their faith. Be very careful. You do that in the name of righteousness, you do that in the name of saviorism, but you push them away as a result. It is the result that matters. Adjust your intentions and your thoughts according to the results you're creating. Number three, Haya is also not timidness. I want to emphasize the role modesty plays in a professional woman's life. I've had many instances in my life where I was assumed to be timid by others because of my modesty, or at least my modest clothing. It was assumed that I was ashamed of my body, so that's why I covered it up. The mistake on my part was that I internalized that assumption, and for the longest time I've lived under the belief system that being timid was the same as being modest, same as haya, and the same as body shaming. Oh boy, was that an error on my part. That's actually an error on many people's parts. Thus, it's provoking me to talk about it today. <laughs> now, if you know anything about what I teach, is that we can't do much about what others do. Our only locus of control is us. So, since I could not control what others were assuming about me, from early on, my work became about breaking out of this belief system that I have created for myself based on other people's assumptions. That was my locus of control, my belief system. As it is with modifying any belief systems, it feels very scary at first, but the more you move away from it, the better you feel about being your authentic self. So now when people assume that I'm shy because of my hijab, because of my modesty, if they mistake me for being timid, they are proven wrong very quickly. What that looks like in real life might be something like this. It is 2 a.m. and as an admitting physician, if an admission would come in that is a patient that is unstable, let's say because of sepsis or severe infection, I would be responsible for that patient. If that infection is because of a kidney stone, a urologist on call would have to come in in the middle of the night to remove that stone. That is to remove the source of the infection. So regardless of the time, you know that phone call to the urologist is being made on a stat basis. <laughs> and yes, people are groggy and sometimes it takes them a while to wake up. <laughs> and sometimes physicians fall asleep in the middle of a conversation and you can hear them snoring on the phone. <laughs> but my point is that I wake them up because the specialist needs to come in to do what's right for the patient. Sometimes these physicians are colleagues of mine that I work with for many years. Other times they're complete strangers. But some resistance is natural when you're so warm and comfortable in your bed. <laughs> Usually the whole conversation goes something like this. I give them the clinical picture. They ask more appropriate questions. Most of the time they do right by the patient. But sometimes, some of them argue that what I'm suggesting is not needed. And I can respect that if it's a specialist's opinion. But what I don't appreciate is anyone avoiding to do work because it's the middle of the night and it's convenient for them to say no. 
Even then, I sometimes give them the benefit of the doubt and I ask them nicely. I am a very nice person or so I've been told. <laughs> but boy, if they waste my time or delay treatment to the patient, you better believe I've yelled, screamed, and I'm not taking no for an answer. Sometimes they'll even threaten me that they'll take me to the management committee. And that's fine. They're allowed to act that way. But I've actually never gotten in front of any committee because when they're actually in their senses, they know what was the right thing to do. I tell you this story because my modesty being confused for timidness, niceness, or being ashamed is very common. And when I answer back, sometimes people's faces are priceless. It breaks stereotypes. And if the situation calls for it, you better believe that there's nothing shy about me. Also in this case, not being timid does not mean disrespectful. It's nothing personal. Respect is actually a very high value for me. Now, of course, there are people who want to be timid and modest. And if that's your value, stick to it. But I want you to choose it consciously. I want you to know that these qualities are not the same and that there is no such thing as a naturally born timid person. It all arises from the thoughts you practice. So again, if it is your value, keep it, but make it a deliberate choice, not a default one. Having said that, I cannot imagine anybody would choose to be timid and be a pushover. We all have our values that we stand for. We just have to practice the courage to stand up for them. So on the other hand, for a lot of other people, this isn't even an issue, not even a concern. They're like, sure, I observe the hijab, I wear abaya, I wear the niqab, I practice it all, and I'm bold and beautiful and uber confident and I'm going after all my dreams. For the rest of us though, it is a skill we learn, just like everything else. For youths growing up in Islamophobia, it is a high chance that they will internalize the message of timidness and confuse that with modesty. Also, the ever-present messages of body shaming can also be confused with modesty. So it becomes our responsibility as caregivers to first learn these differences ourselves and then teach it to our children. Haya, therefore, is a combination of shame, shyness, modesty, and guilt. So in modern psychology, these emotions are described as warning emotions, can be best described with a term called rumble strip emotions. All they are supposed to do is give you a warning sign that you're getting off the road. Have you ever driven on a highway and hit those bumpy things on the side of the road? And if you had dozed off and swerved to the right, they jolt you right back into consciousness. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Those are called rumble strips. Jennifer Moore is a therapist based out of Evans, Georgia. She says, some of our emotions are like rumble strips. They don't mess up our lives. They don't really hurt us in any way. They are just not so subtle reminders that we are veering off track and need to pay attention to something and possibly make an adjustment. Dr. Martha Beck, PhD Harvard-trained sociologist, coach and a New York Times best-selling author says, rumble strip experiences are designed not to torture or punish us, but to steer us. We are headed in the wrong direction, not through malice or even intent, but simply by mistake. We're like drivers who have fallen asleep at the wheel and the fates are conspiring to awaken us. So what we're saying here is the only role shyness, shame, modesty, and guilty conscience is supposed to play for us is as a warning, just to warn us to come back to the right path that is safe for us. That is Haya. 
If exposing your body more than a certain extent brings shyness, then that has served as a warning sign. Whether you pay attention to that shyness or not is your choice. That shyness is not supposed to be a perpetual state of affairs in your emotional world. It is not supposed to be a ceaseless body-shaming opportunity. There is nothing to be ashamed of about your body. That comes from lifelong social programming around body-shaming. Next time you look in the mirror and you don't like hanging skin, your exaggerated curves, and you quickly look away, it's because of body-shaming, not haya. Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 135. One translation reads, And those who, having done something to be ashamed of, or wronged their own souls, earnestly bring Allah to mind and ask for forgiveness for their sins, and who can forgive sins except Allah, and are never obstinate in persisting knowingly in the wrong they have done. If you are ashamed of something you've done, Bring it to consciousness and ask for forgiveness. That is the only purpose shyness has. These emotions are from a group called moral emotions. They evoke us to do what is right for us and for the humanity at large. Suppression of these emotions in the name of individualism and freedom of expression leads to unrest, anxiety, and perpetual fight with the natural order. Prolonging these emotions and letting them stay more than they're welcome is shaitan's work, a classic reptilian brain response to keep you small and constricted and supposedly safe. Both of these extreme states, one of the complete disregard of these emotions and the other, the pathologic harboring of these emotions, is detrimental to the soul. Let these emotions serve only as warning signs that they are a loud noise that jolts you back into the right action and nothing else. It is not a punishment from Allah. It is not your destiny to be timid. It is not in your genes to be a pushover if you have decided to observe modesty with your actions and with your clothing. It is not a burden to be modest in this day and age. Modesty does not stand in your way of your professional success. All of this is your primal brain feeding you thoughts a primitive response based on fear. That primal brain will latch on to the human's tendency to feel that guilt and shame and keep him there to keep him quote-unquote safe. That's shaitan's number one motive, to keep you small. Now, if I am to ask you something and you were to answer me honestly, most of you, when you are listening to this podcast, are thinking about haya only as it applies to women. If you're socialized in the Western society, if you understand the English language, which I'm assuming you do since you've made it this far in the podcast, <laughs> I can bet that your default picture of Haya is of a woman being modest. And on top of that, a woman wearing a hijab. Haya and hijab are literally synonymous in our heads, thanks to social programming. Let me tell you this. When the Prophet, peace be upon him, praised someone for their Haya, it was Uthman radiallahu anhu. You would think, based on how we are programmed today, that he would be praising a woman, but he praised a man. On one occasion, the Prophet, peace be upon him, was relaxing in his house. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and Umar ibn Khattab anhum, were granted permission to enter in his house. But when Uthman ibn Affan anhu, asked to enter, Prophet fixed his garment and then granted him permission. 
Later when asked, why did he do that? The prophet, peace be upon him, replied, Should I not be shy of a man around whom the angels are shy? Implying because of his modesty. That is such a profound example. The role model of shyness at the time of the prophet, as it applied to modesty, was a man. Abdullah ibn Masood relates that one day the prophet, peace be upon him, said, Be shy of Allah, most high, as much as is his due. The companions present said, All praise be to Allah, we are shy of him. The prophet said, That is not the point. Whoever is shy of Allah as much as is due, he should protect his head and that which it comprises, meaning your thoughts, your mind, your ideas, creed, and the hadith goes on. So I love this hadith. The Prophet is asking us to preserve our thoughts and calling it haya. Oh my God, you guys, this is so beautiful. Haya is a state of mind, a state of being, starting from thoughts, going through warning emotions, and creating actions of righteousness, and thus, inshallah, creating the result of success in this life and the next. Haya is not just a woman in hijab. Belief that modesty only applies to women is so ill-founded, mostly because it revolves around the notions of body shaming. A very common misconception is that Islam promotes body shaming and thus asks women to hide it. We know that quite the opposite is true. Islam holds women's bodies in the highest regards, and you protect something you regard to be valuable. Modesty for women is a part of haya. A good example of this is very commonly cited ayah from Surah An-Nur, chapter 24, ayahs 30 and 31, which talks about how both men and women should lower their gaze and guard their modesty. Haya is not timidness. Haya does not apply only to women. It is actually a collection of moral emotions. Even then, emotions that only act as warning signs, not a permanent state of being. Haya, as I define it, is rumble strip emotions. Let me say that again. Haya is rumble strip emotions. When you are steering off the path, they jolt you back into the right direction. This is so beautiful. This concept was described to us so, so many years ago by our religion, and social scientists are explaining it now in modern terms. So now to go back to the question I posed in the beginning, are you ashamed or modest? The answer is a little of both, and at the same time, neither one, depending on how you're practicing each of them. Also, there's a component of guilt and shyness in there. Haya and shyness are not interchangeable. Shy can mean timid. Haya does not. If you are using haya to justify your timidness in your professional and personal life, you are doing it wrong. If you can see that there's a difference between the two, you owe it to yourself to explore this area of your own life and learn more about it so you can make decisions from an empowered place from the correct upstairs brain. I am available for coaching at islamiclifecoachschool.com. We can start with an initial free right foot call to see if indeed something like that is showing up for you in your life. And during our time in coaching together, I will teach you how to overcome this obstacle. But you have to take action now. Do something about it. Lastly, imagine if you practice haya as it is defined in our religion, as a warning sign, a rumble strip of emotions. 
let's put it into context what it would look like in your professional life. You perform an action, you get a warning sign from your body to redirect, you listen to that, and you correct your action. That right there is the prime example of what social scientists describe to be the recipe of success. This recipe combines, number one, paying attention to your thoughts, as described in the Hadith. This is mindfulness. Number two, being attentive to your body's experience, also known as the emotional intelligence. Number three, redirecting actions while learning from mistakes and asking for forgiveness. The definition of growth mindset. All of these make up haya. If you persistently practice haya, there is no way you cannot be successful in your professional life. That is virtually impossible. Leave all the social programming behind. It is all noise. If you observe Haya as it is described in this episode, then you are applying your higher brain. That will create success. If you want to observe the hijab and you might be on the fence about it, just remember, hijab will not keep you from becoming successful. Your thoughts about it will. Hijab is outside of you. It is a neutral circumstance. If you apply the filter of the lower brain thoughts and emotions, then that is the result you will create. If you practice Haya as it is described in this episode, you will have employed your higher brain. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the himma, the courage and the resilience to practice Haya in its purest form. May Allah guide us through his book and through the message of the Prophet peace be upon him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us success in this world and the next. I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem, regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah, I will see you there.